are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com with the amount of audio and video content we generate it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two five ten or twenty five dollars and get a ton of bonus content One of us needs and appreciates all your support. And I've seen, I think, every theatrical release Blumhouse film. I mean, Jason Blum puts out a lot of films. He's kind of like Roger Corman, but with a budget. He's just like, screw it. We're just going to keep pumping this stuff out. We found a formula. It's kind of working out out, (laughs) out well for us. He's like inarguably the king of the cinematic new horror films pointed at teenagers. But he's also done some stuff that was really good, too, like Whiplash. That was a Blumhouse film, believe it or not. Oscar award-winning Whiplash, amongst others. But... I was a little skeptical when I read that he's going to have a new sort of, not really anthology, but series of horror movies that get released onto Amazon Prime semi-regularly called Welcome to the Blumhouse that are like full-length feature films, but not good enough for the theater, apparently. (laughs) Like, oh, well, I've seen some of his cinematic offerings that were definitely not good enough for the theater as well. So, And I was not on the last round of reviews. I don't know if either for Welcome to the Blumhouse. I don't know if either one of y'all saw those. I did. Okay. Luane did, and I heard they were terrible. They were, at best, not bad. (laughs) And then they just kind of went from there. These really have the feel of a drive-in double feature type thing. Yeah. I thought this was like a TV show, honestly. It has that kind of feel to it, as opposed to a movie. TV movie feel, for sure. But uh, that's Mindy. Say hi, Mindy. Hi, Mindy. Ha ha. (laughs) I get it. It's like Gracie and George. Ah. <laughs> and Lewayne. You know nobody's going to know the Gracie and George part of that now that you've done I that. I am the oldest person walking the planet right now. I've figured <laughs> it out. No, I am decidedly the oldest, making still making George Burns and Gracie Allen jokes. All right. So, Bingo Hell is the first of the two films we'll be talking Speaking about. I actually saw this at <laughs> Fantastic Fest with the whole crowd where C. Robert Cargill, a friend and uh, old roommate, came out and said, Oh, I discovered this movie. Uh, I became friends with the director, Gigi Saul Guerrero, and, and uh, I was so excited. I got to see a rough cut of this, and I just love it. I think it's one of the best films. And here's the thing. Cargill's my friend. I love him. I actually love the stuff he does and has produced. But when we used to do reviews together, we would all just dogpile on him because <laughs> We were like, why are you wrong about everything, Cargill? It would be all of us versus him eight out of ten times on reviews on whatever the opinion was. And when he came out, I was like, ah, shit, I'm probably going to hate this. God damn it. But I didn't hate it. I will say that's almost entirely because of lead star Adriana Barraza, who is just a wonderful actress. She was in two of Alejandro Inarritu's films, Babel and Ameros Peros, which played big uh, roles in both those, which are really good. If you've never seen those, you really should. Played a big role in Drag Me to Hell from Sam Raimi. And she's been in a bunch and a bunch of TV shows. I mean, she's a really good 
older Latino ex-actress. All of the older characters, all the actors, I think, did a really good job of the, of the senior citizens, particularly her and the woman who plays her friend Dolores. Dolores, yeah. Because they play off of each other a lot, and they have such a really good dynamic in particular. It was really, really interesting and engaging to watch. Dolores was played by L. Scott Caldwell, who originally got a big break as playing one of the deputies in The Fugitive that had a lot of screen time. And then I probably know her better from playing the character of Rose on Lost. Ooh, I loved Lost so much. (laughs) You know, we could do another one. Come on. Anyway, this is about a town that's dying. It's getting really hyperbolically gentrified, like really silly gentrified. Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's clearly, as everything else in this movie, treated as kind of a goof, but it's the central. She's mad. She's very, oh, Lupita is mad. And she's just fuming about everything. And she goes around yelling with all her friends about this. They have a regular thing where they get together and play bingo, but sort of for charity. They're trying to help out one of their friends whose business is the rent's about to go through the roof. She can't afford it. And then the next day, Suddenly there are signs, little flyers everywhere. Come to the new bingo place. Come to the Mr. Biggs bingo. And they're like, what is this bullshit? Just more shit. Well, you ever seen Needful Things? <laughs> yep. Stephen King movie. So imagine, or, you know, if you want to go way back, Ray Bradbury, right? For uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yes. Mr. Big, who is played by Richard Brake, one of those actors you've seen him in a hundred things and almost always playing like a psycho or <laughs> bad guy. Like he's Joe Chill on Batman Begins. Sweet. But he is Mr. Big and he's at this crazy casino-like place that's giving away obviously absurdly huge prizes of money. That should have been a tip-off, because if you're giving away hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars, that's a fucking drug front. That is a mob (laughs) front. You stay the hell away from there. (laughs) There is no way... Or he's the devil. Or he's the devil. And in this case, as I said, with needful things and what have you, yeah, he's clearly maybe not the devil, but a A devil. devil. And he's there to make people, when they win... They basically go crazy and they hurt themselves extremely gorily and tend to melt down into green goo. It's fine. It's like, it's very Raimi-ish at points, or at least, you know, copping from Raimi. There's a lot of other horror movie influences in here. There's a totally unnecessary side story about the kid mm-hmm. who's like her friend's nephew who is, you know, kind of in trouble. Is he in trouble? And then this older Latino guy is like, I used to be in trouble, but then people looked out for me. Like, they could have gotten rid of all of that from this, and it would have lost nothing. Because this should have been an episode on a horror anthology show. Yes. Well, the problem is that they don't establish either of those characters very well. If they had established those characters better and tied them more into the gentrification plot, the ending where they come in, because that's pretty much their purpose is to be the ending, it Mm -hmm. would have made a lot more feeling added to it. You would have cared about them more, but in the way it is, it's just like, I barely know you, and now you're here at the end. Completely agree. Everything in here I feel like I've seen before, except for, of course, like I said, our main character of Lupita, because Adriana Barraza is giving this so much more mm. than it's worth. All the older characters are mm-hmm. trying to play it kind of over the top, but she is uh, she's the main star, she's the standout, and it all ends with her walking around, touting a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, old lady with a shotgun fighting the devil? I mean, yeah. I'm in. But I don't think it ended up being kind of all that, if you will. So let's do final thoughts on Bingo Hell. Luane? I liked the neighborhood stuff. Like, I actually liked watching these people 
interact with each other. And most of them felt like authentically like they'd known each other forever. And they'd lived in this place where they really were their own community. The rest of it is obvious, right? You know, the guy rolls in his you know, everything that's going on. I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot to figure out what's going on. And periodically it's like, come on, guys, seriously, have you never watched it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. There's this one thing that really bugs me. And it's just a really minor little thing, but there's a scene where the grandson or whatever has a pistol and he cocks it. He makes it very obvious that he's cocked it. You hear the noise because it's supposed to threaten the other character. And then they cut to the other shot and the hammer's just laying down. It's a really minor thing, but it's super irritating to me. <laughs> but overall, it's fine. It's good for a laugh. It could have been either shorter or filled out a little more of the backstory on a few of the characters, or at least gave us a reason to want them involved. But I don't know that it would be worth that extra trouble. In the end, this is three out of five cigars Lupita smokes, so you know she's the queen of the neighborhood. <laughs> Mindy? I feel similarly, you hit the nail on the head with it either needed to be expanded or shortened and that has to do with essentially the backstories and how involved you get in these characters if you took away some of the gore aspects of it and like some of the the death part of it and added that to especially the younger characters i think it would have been a lot more rounded and therefore flowed better as it is it's an hour and a half and yet feels like a tv episode it's all right but it's in that middle ground of not being long enough and also being too long I am going to give it a middle ground of five blobs of goo out of ten. I think this was going for splat stick and like high momentum. And the problem is, is that as much as it has that look and it's shot that way and there's lots of big gooey gore scenes, although not really gory, it's like goo. It just feels like it's just kind of sitting there a lot of the time. You're like, yeah. And doing exactly what you know is going to happen next because we've seen this story before. I mean, if it wasn't for Lupita, I think this would be next to unsalvageable or you'd have to do something drastic to fix it because it's kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, this is admittedly from a jaded horror fan who's seen this done so many times before, but I went, okay, what's next? I'm going to give this four out of ten very sticky C-notes. <laughs> but speaking of what's next, the other Welcome to the Blumhouse film that we're going to be talking about on this particular show, with more to come shortly, is Black as Night, directed by Marit Lee Go, And it's basically Black Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just where she doesn't have special powers. Am I off here? Is that pretty much what, what we're talking about? In Louisiana. Yeah. In Louisiana, which is where almost every vampire story feels like it takes of place course. these days. Right. And really, the only other thing about this is that the previous Blumhouse pairings that we saw last year, none of them seem to go together for any particular reason. These two films together both have this sort of save our community, even though our community is garbage yeah. sort of thing going on, at least. So there's at least sort of a common theme. Save the bingo hall. Save the... Katrina destroyed crack house. Asha Cooper plays Shauna, who's a high school student with a lot of narrative voiceover. Yeah, Katrina looms large still over this world where her mom is a serious drug addict and is living in like low-income housing community nearby called the Umbro. Like, Shauna wants to still be connected to her, but every time she comes, her mom's just trying to scam money out of her for clearly drugs and she's got a friend who's very delightfully gay fabrizio guido delightfully or stereotypically i mean i know a lot of gay guys who he is exactly like so he's such a trope <laughs> he's not as big a trope as he could be but you can't deny it is a trope. a trope in movies but it also is a thing that is very not uncommon at all in real life so i'm like there's got to be a point where you go well 
we can't have those characters not in films because there's other characters like those in films. I don't know. That one has always been a confusing issue with me. And then she's got a crush on this guy named Chris, played by Mason Beauchamp. You know, she's kind of awkward. She doesn't really get along with a lot of other kids in there. But what it comes down to is that people are disappearing, like homeless people are disappearing. And sure enough, it turns out that vampires have moved into the neighborhood, into the big old historic house in there. And who's going to deal with this problem if not her, especially after they go after her mom and she's like, no, this will not do. I'm going to deal with this. So the three of them become a bloodsucker hunting team as they try and figure out a strategy to take out the vampires there, which is, like I say, played in a very way that I compare not even to the TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It reminded me of the original movie quite a bit in the tone of it. But there's like nice little notes. Like I love that they go to get garlic from the pizza place. (laughs) And so they just have like garlic shakers. And I was like, that's brilliant. Why have I never seen that before in a vampire film where you just shake the powder at them. I'm like, that's awesome. But that's the only thing in this movie that really stood out. I think the performances are decent enough for like young actors. You get Keith David in here in a role that he's barely in it. barely in it. It's odd because they kind of want him to chew up the scenery, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't work. And Keith David's usually the best guy for that. It just feels sad and small when you're watching him do it. You're like, oh, mm, you deserve better than this film, Keith David. The lead character, that voiceover completely destroyed the tone in so many parts. It's it's supposed to be this theme of dealing with loss in so many different ways and this monster threat. And yet she's a stupid teenager girl that is narrating the entire thing and it doesn't match what's going on. And so it just comes across as irritating. It feels like something you'd write in your diary. Yes. Right? Like, if you want me to take this vampire threat seriously, they don't go together. Because there are scenes where it there are consequences and there are brief moments where you recognize the importance of a thing that's going on. But then they undercut it Mm -hmm. by having her talk about it. I'm like... Just show me the thing. That's how you get me to go. And also having her talk about it in ways that undermine it. Like there's a scene involving one of the vampires that's really heartbreaking. And I think Mm -hmm. her biggest voiceover part about it was talking about how cute the guy was. And it's just like, ugh, come on. I did like that. Like in Buffy, when you dust a vampire, sorry, I've watched too many episodes yeah. of Buffy. <laughs> it's just instantaneous. Yes. You're just like, shy, and they're gone. And this, I like, they have like 30 seconds where they're like, oh no. <laughs> and are aware they're going to die, but they still, when they die, it's just like, <laughs> like yeah. an explosion of vampire dust everywhere. And I kind of like that where they're like, yeah. they get to go, ah, fuck. <laughs> But let's go to final thoughts. Mindy, go first. Both of these movies have the problem of there's an interesting main plot. But like when we reviewed Monsterland, it's like, oh, fuck, we have to add a monster in here somehow. And so they turn away from the plot in order to add a monster in. And it's like, if you focused on the original story, that would have been far more interesting and engaging. This movie of the two was far weaker. It also involves a lot of backstories. Like we mentioned the three, but there's also a fourth girl who's supposed to be essentially the Giles, the one who knows everything about vampire lore. And then the gay character, he knows all this history about New Orleans. And yet one of the biggest information plot points that involved the clans, the different clans of vampires, that isn't really discussed at all. It's there for like a few seconds and maybe a couple minutes. And it's just like, it ends. And it's like, that's actually one of the key things of the story. And yet it gets no attention. 
both of these stories had this really interesting theme of loss and not gentrification on this one, but, you know, more the detachment of the world of everybody around it. And it barely gets anything in order to go, ooh, spooky vampire that we don't even really know much about anyway. Of the two, watch the old folks be good. But if you're looking for any good, like, monster story, you're really not going to get them in any either of these. And this one especially. It's just teenage week essentially. I'm going to give it three out of ten taxi drivers looking sketchy. Luane, this feels like a backdoor pilot. Like when they used to, Chris, you're old enough to remember this, when they would have these movies that would come on like Sunday night and it was clear that they were shooting for this to be the pilot for this kind of is kind of what this feels like this feels like this is going to be the new orleans buffy the vampire slayer and so that means that it has this problem where it doesn't balance the horror and comedy and the drama quite right feels like it neither either needed to lean way more into the horror because i mean look at the atmosphere you have available to you you're in new orleans and you've got this potentially great cast i mean keith david alone there's a lot of potential there i don't think they use it very well but it's there at least it wasn't just a cameo so they could put his name somewhere on it. There's another element of this that I think is interesting, but I don't know being melanin challenged like I am if it's <laughs> one that I should really get into, which was the element of the lead's blackness. You throw that out there into this, and it's it's actually an important thing. I think it's something that could be explored, but they don't really kind of do it. Nope. It gets resolved in like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer sort of way. It's the thing that makes her the chosen one. And at the end... It kind of doesn't even make sense. This is another one that feels like, like the previous one, there's some interesting elements there, but it needed to either go way more one way, way more the other. And we either needed more of this or maybe not even less of it. But there are pieces that needed to go away. That voiceover is probably the biggest one. You have this great setting. Just show us the things you're going to show us. It's there. I'm still going to give it three out of five garlic shakers. <laughs> I thought the first one we talked about, Bingo Hill, was actually filmed better technique-wise. But this, I thought, although the filming style was really bland. I actually thought this was written better than Bingo Hell. I found that very generic and boring all the way through and unsurprising. This one, at least, they paid attention to their vampire lore. Like me, who's a huge, I'll watch or read anything with vampires. I was like, yeah, you're giving me some of the stuff I came here for. Especially in the, th the last act of it, where you're sort of introducing the idea of these different vampire clans and what's going on with that and how all the vampirism works and how it relates specifically to people with black skin as opposed to white people. I mean, I actually thought some of that stuff was kind of interesting. And this is also the stuff, I think Luane and I both agree, this felt like it was a backdoor pilot to a show. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is like, this definitely feels like they're setting up to go to, do you want to turn it into a show, Amazon? You don't need to turn it into a show, Amazon. It's <laughs> fine. It was just okay. It did make me laugh a few times. I'll give a points for that as well. I overall thought it was lightly entertaining. I think, like I said, if you're a huge vampire fan, sure, why not? Watch this. It's not the worst vampire film you're going to see. That is absolutely positively a fact. <laughs> it's nothing terribly memorable about it either. I did, in fact, enjoy watching it more than Bingo Hell, but that's probably just because I like them pointy teeth. So I am going to give this five out of 10 really fratty white chicks who have no place being the Giles in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a shame. We got two more of these Blumhouses to watch coming up. I don't think he, I don't, Luane, are you on the next one? I, I know you're am. not, Mindy. Okay. So we haven't seen those yet. I mean, admittedly, my hope is dwindling. 